Hi, this is LaJuan Lowry. Every month, the paying subscribers of The Glenn Show get to submit questions to Glenn and John McWhorter, which they address in an hour-long bonus episode. We decided to start sharing segments of this monthly feature with free subscribers as well. Here is this month's preview. If you want to access the full Q&A and if you want to submit questions of your own, please subscribe at glennlowry.substack.com. Thank you. Okay. I would be interested, this is from DG, the initials DG, but many ask this question in uh, this round of soliciting questions from our, from our listeners. I would be interested in hearing more uh, of you guys' perspective on the Scott Adams question, or more generally, the idea of white people avoiding, quote unquote, black people. I live in D.C., in the D.C. area, and the penalties for everything from carjacking to subway fare evasion have been reduced in the name of, quote, racial equity, not to mention changes in academic standards at many public schools or even just the risk of being videotaped or called a Karen for all the world to see if an everyday argument about dogs or parking spots or whatever escalates. Given all of that, is it really irrational that some white people would want to live in a community where they don't have to fear such things? Most people are just trying to get through the day. What do you think about that, John? Yeah, that's a tough question um, to be asked because I were a white person. Certainly, my patience with the idea of root causes and what your responsibility is in terms of, quote unquote, doing the work would be severely tested by a situation like that. And I would imagine that if you lived in a neighborhood where it was white people who were behaving that way, who were making a ruckus and breaking the law and carjacking, et cetera, you'd still want to get out of there. It's not necessarily that you don't like black people. I'm not sure what we black people are saying about ourselves to imply that if you don't want to live in a dangerous neighborhood, you don't want to be around black people as if it's inherent to blackness to be a dangerous person and that somehow white society deserves it or something like that. Um, so, no, I, I, I can imagine what that impatience would be. I, I openly will say that I think you can be a very concerned, a very enlightened white person and yet decide that you don't want physically to be around that, that you don't want your children around that. John, I lost you there. So, yeah, it's... um. Um, and I am now not seeing you. Um, okay, but let's continue because I'm hearing you just fine. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 I get it. I mean, even here in New York City, if there's somebody who's sleeping on the train or, or often then waking up and demonstrating that they are not of sound mind or that they're addicted to something, neither of those things are their fault. If that person is doing that, that person in New York City is usually black. And it's at the point where I am becoming reluctant to bring my girls onto the train because I don't want them, not because of the danger of those guys, but because I don't want them to internalize the idea that there's something default about blackness and being in that condition and frankly creating a nuisance on the subway. I don't think that makes me a bigot, but I just don't want my children to form a certain picture. A white person might be concerned with things like that too. So, yeah, I get it. Now, Scott Adams clearly was being willfully obnoxious. But if we're talking about this issue of do you wish to be in a neighborhood like that? Yeah, I can understand wanting to get away and 
feeling guilty that you're white and the people who are bothering you are black. But, you know, you have to live a life. In, in real life, we're all buying groceries. That's what real life is. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I guess I distinguish between my common sense recognition that people are going to vote with their feet. And if they feel uncomfortable, they're going to move. You know, that's just the way of the world. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have the government try to tell people where to live and where not to live um, and so on. I want to distinguish between my acceptance of the fact that when the incentives are such and the environment is such that people feel uncomfortable, they're going to move. And and the moral question uh, that you put it about what are, what are we obligated to do as decent citizens in terms of putting up with things that might be a little bit disquieting or uncomfortable in the interest of maintaining a kind of social solidarity or whatever. For example, people are committed, some, to sending their children to public schools and not to opting for private or parochial education for their kids, even though they could afford to do so because they want their kids to be a part of a, a educational milieu that has all walks of life represented, people from all different social classes and so on represented. They want their kids to know that not everybody was born with the advantages of, of middle-class status that they might, they, their family might enjoy. And so they, they, in effect, sacrifice a little something in terms of comfort on behalf of a, a commitment to kind of social solidarity. They, they, they want their kids to be exposed to stuff, that, that kind of thing. And I think there's something to that. I think racial integration of networks, of neighborhoods, of schools, other things equal is to be sought after, again, not by compulsion, but through a promotion of a norm or sort of ideal of, uh, of good citizenship and uh, notions of decent living. How do I live in society where there are inequalities and inequities and so on. And if I'm advantaged, maybe I, I shouldn't just run away and try to surround myself with other people who are advantaged. On the other hand, uh, the, the litany of fear of crime, uh, a concern about being uh, treated with disrespect, uh, a uh, feeling that, uh, you know, the anti-racism mantra has marginalized white people in certain ways and has encouraged black people to behave toward them in, in ways that are, uh, that are disquieting and uncomfortable. And a person's feeling, I don't have to put up with that. I can just, I can just move. I, I can move out from the city to the suburbs. I can move out from the coast to the, to the, uh, you know, the vast, uh, uh, middle of the country. I can move to Florida or Texas from California and, and find environments that are more congenial to myself. Uh, this, there's this guy, Bill Bishop is his name. He has a book called The Big Sort, S-O-R-T. Not to be confused with Michael Lewis's book on the financial crisis called The Big Short. The Big Sort. And he's basically saying that a lot of that is going on. A lot of relocation of people around the country moving to places where they find raising their children to be a less uh, onerous and, uh, and hazardous uh, proposition. That's not only racial. 
but it's going to correlate with race because some of the places they're moving away from are going to have a large number of black people in them. And some of the stuff that they're running from is going to be in many people's minds associated with with African-American population. So I think to conclude, Scott Adams crudely and rudely gave voice to a phenomenon that I think we all have to take seriously. It's not just Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, up there shouting about we need a national divorce between the red and the blue. It's a lot of people, decent people, honorable people, confronted with a dilemma and uh, having to make their way in the world. And, you know, each of us has to figure out how it is that we're going to make our way in the world. And, you know, some of that involves choosing environments which are congenial. And people are going to do that. And I think that imposes a constraint on um, activists and advocates from Black Lives Matter on down, on down to recognize that, you know, there are benefits and there are costs. And if, if you take a posture that is so antagonistic that it gives people good reason to go for the exits, you have to reckon with, you know, uh, what you're going to, what the day after they've uh, gone for the exits look like. If you're running a big city like Chicago, I mean, it's one thing to say crime is overblown. Tucker Carlson makes a big deal out of it every night and he's he's beating a dead horse. And crime is not the, the bugaboo that the uh, uh, right wingers make it out to be. That That could well be true. It's another thing to say, I don't give a damn what white people tell me because they're all racist anyway. And the murder in our city is not happening in their neighborhoods. It's happening in black neighborhoods. And please don't tell me white person about how it is that I have a responsibility to deal with crime in my city. You can say that if you want to. That's an invitation to the taxpaying middle-class family-based center of your city to head for the exits. And then you're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. 